Today's message, I want to talk with you about why we need each other as believers. And I'd like for us to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, which say, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, but we all belong to each other. And what that is saying to us there is that just naturally, we understand that as human beings with our human bodies, um, every part needs to connect with the whole for it to have any benefit. That just makes sense. If your ear suddenly fell off, it wouldn't benefit you a whole lot. Uh, you know, if your hand fell off, it wouldn't, it wouldn't function well and it wouldn't benefit you a whole lot if it wasn't attached. The same thing is true in the body of Christ. And so the Apostle Paul who wrote these words says, uh, that in Christ's body, we are all connected, and that's why we are called brothers and sisters in the Lord. We have a very strong connection in a family relationship that is actually biblically stronger than even blood ties are. I don't know that we necessarily live that way, but that's, that's the way God's word is. And especially when the church is under persecution like it was in the, the first century, uh, that strong family tie of the bro brothers and sisters was very much appreciated. And uh, the same thing is true still today, even though we aren't under the intense persecution, at least in America, that um, they were in the first century church. Nonetheless, we still have a great need for one another. And one of the things here he says is that we all belong to each other. We are connected to one another and we belong to each other. Um, so I don't know, that means your car is my car and I can, if I like it, I can drive it. I, it makes sense to me. If I can't make my mortgage payment and get kicked out of my house, I can come live with you. Hallelujah, you know. So it all works out. Amen. But that, that's the, the necessity of us being connected together. You will remember back in, in grade school, um, at least amongst the boys, I suppose it was amongst the girls the same, I don't know, but in gym class, we would divide off into teams. And the, the coach would say, okay, you, you're, you're the captain of this team, and you, you're the captain of this team, and, and, and then here's this mass of other guys out here. And, and so this captain would start... He, he would, you pick first, all right? So he picked the guy he wanted. This captain had picked the guy he wanted. And basically, you stood there and prayed that you were not the last one selected. Because being the last one selected was humiliating, you know? It made you feel like nobody wanted you. And nobody wants to feel like they don't belong. Everybody wants to feel like they're important. Uh, if you were chosen last, it made you feel unwanted. Feeling like you're a part of the group is, is, uh, is a great thing. It's, it's a blessing to feel like you belong to others, to feel like you're a part, like you're connected to other people. And you love the connection that you have with other people unless you get hurt. And when you get hurt, you can sometimes feel like maybe you aren't so glad that you're a part of the group. I have known believers who, who got hurt in a local church. Now, you would think that would never happen, that everything, like the local church is just one notch short or shy of heaven, you know, and everything's perfect and all the people are perfect, but we're not perfect. 
we're forgiven, but we're not perfect. And so we still, we still make mistakes. We still blow it. We still have tension in terms of relationships from time to time. And I have known people that have experienced hurt or experienced pain in a, in a church relationship with other Christians and have been so hurt by it that they pulled completely out of fellowship, not only with that church, but with all churches. They never go anywhere. They were hurt maybe by, the, maybe they believed something deeply about the teaching of that church, and they found out later that that church wasn't teaching the truth, it was teaching error, and so they decided they weren't going to be a part of any church then. They're not going to trust any church. And, and, uh, or, or maybe they went to a good church, but there was just conflict with somebody, and it, it so disappointed them that they decided, I'm done with church. And usually what they do is they, they, they will defend their decision by saying, I don't want to get hurt anymore. And I understand that. I don't want to get hurt anymore either. I don't want to experience heartbreak and hurt and pain in human relationships. But, but the, the reality is everyone gets hurt in life. There is no pass on this. Everyone gets hurt. And what, what's important is how you handle the hurt, how you handle the pain. If the hurt causes you to withdraw, if it causes you to pull away from other people, if it causes you to get angry and to lash out, to become bitter, or to become a victim... We, we live in such a, a victim mentality in America today. And the victim mentality says that I'm not responsible for anything that happens to me. It's always somebody else's fault. Now that falls right in line with human nature because we don't, any of us, want to admit that we were wrong. The reality is in nearly all situations, Maybe you were hurt by someone else, but you planted seed into that relationship as well. You probably produced some of the angst and the anger and the tension that was taking place within the relationship. All of us are responsible to some degree. It may be mostly their fault. We, we may be deeply wounded, and in some cases, especially if you've been hurt as a child, it can be entirely somebody else's fault. But when we're talking about adult human relationships, they, if there is tension between us and someone else, there usually is pain given out by both, both parties. And the victim mentality of today's culture wants us to believe that we are not responsible. The problem with that is if you don't bear any responsibility, you can't fix the part of you that has hurt or wounded someone else. If you won't admit that it's there, you first of all can't be forgiven because you never ask God to forgive you. And secondly, you can't be changed. You can't be helped. You can't be transformed because you're blaming everything on the other person. If you become a, a victim because of hurt and pain, um, then the hurt and pain will beat you. The hurt and the pain will have dominated you, and you will be beaten by it. But if you will turn that thing over to Jesus, and you don't get bitter, 
and you don't allow yourself to become a victim and you acknowledge your error in, in the issue, if you will do that and actually pray for those that have hurt you and wounded you and ask God to forgive them and to bless them and to forgive you and to bless you, if you will keep a right attitude, Isaiah 61, 7 says, if you will do it the right way, God will restore to you, will bless you double for the pain and the injury and the hurt that you have received. You will receive a double portion blessing from God if you keep your heart right. But if you don't, then you become defeated and, and a victim and angry and it distorts your life. What's important in life is not letting hurt and pain cause you to pull back from other believers. And of course, here I'm talking about in the church. I'm talking about church pain, church hurt. You hang around me long enough, I'm going to disappoint you. If I hang around you long enough, you're going to disappoint me. That's just the way it is, because none of us are perfect. Now, the reason it's so important that we, that we connect with one another, that we, that we work through these kinds of hurtful situation, situations is because God has created this thing called the church. And biblically, the church is an, is an organism, not an organization. The church never had to be restored because God never lost control of his people. There has been a time when the church, the church needs to be revived. But there's a ton of difference between being revived and being restored. Restored means that the church was lost. It had to be brought back. It never had to be brought back. God has always had a people. He's always had his people. Now, the problem is that his people still have tension, make mistakes. They blow it in terms of relationships. Sometimes it's because we do or say the wrong thing. Sometimes it's because we're just flat out too sensitive and we allow ourselves to be wounded. That's another sermon. But the reality is God has created this organism called the church. And he created it not to hurt anyone, but to help us to become strong and, 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 and powerful in Christ with the ability to live up to our greatest spiritual potential. That's why he created this thing called the church. That's why having relationships with other brothers and sisters is so important. Because you add to my life what I don't have, and hopefully I add to your life what you don't have. And when that happens, I come out stronger. You come out stronger. This is what I've learned in Christian living. If I am to become, if you are to be, be strong, if you are to stay strong in your faith in Christ, in your commitments to Christ, it's going to be because you have learned the value of fellowshipping with God's people. Virtually never does a, is a person who is isolated, they call themselves a believer, but they're isolated from everybody else. Virtually never are they ever strong in Christ. They may think they are, but the reality is they are weak. The truth is we help each other become more, and that's why we need each other, and that's why God gave us the church. So 
With that in mind, I want to share with you four reasons why I think we need each other in the body of Christ. Number one, we need each other for encouragement. We need to encourage one another. There are things that I can learn only from God. You can't teach them to me. No one can teach them to me. I couldn't learn it in a classroom. I have to learn it in my relationship with God. There are some things that God is going to reveal to me that only comes from him. For one thing, my purpose. My purpose in life, God's call upon my life, is something that's very individual. He, he, speak, he spoke that, speaks that to me on a regular basis of what he wants me to do and what he wants me to become. You can't give that to me. That could only come from him. Of course, salvation can only come from him. All right, so there are things that I can get only from God, things that you can get only from God. But having said that, there are also some, some things within our Christian life that you can only grow in and, and learn about in relationship with God's people. Because God's word is very clear that faith without connection with God's people and working that faith out in connection with God's people is dead. So uh, works without faith is useless because that's religion, but faith without works is dead. We, we have to live this out. Do you understand that? It's all right, I've got my faith in Christ, but now I've got to live it out in what I do it, within the context of my relationship with God's people, that's when it starts to dominate. That's when it starts to come alive. And when you pull back, you pull away, because you've been hurt or for whatever reason, it, it will diminish the strength and the growth of your life in Christ. So there are things that I have to grow in and will grow in only by my relationship with you. Being with others in the faith is simply a better way to live for God. Not being alone, but being with others. It gives you, for one thing, it gives you staying power, which is what we're talking about, staying strong. Being with others gives you staying power. I love how Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament puts this, chapter 4, 9 through 12. It says, two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. If one falls down, the other can help him up. But it is bad for the person who is alone and falls because no one is there to help. If two lie down together, they will be warm, but a person alone will not be warm. An enemy might defeat one person, but two people together can defend themselves. A rope that is woven of three strings is hard to break. Okay, so as I looked at that scripture, there were four thoughts that came to mind about, about the, the power of our connection together as believers in Christ. First of all, I would say to you that there is safety in being related in the body of Christ and being connected within the body of Christ. Verse 10 says, if one falls down, the other can help him up. Okay, now th that's obviously true when we're talking about physically. If you fall down, I can reach down and help you up. But we're, that, that rarely happens in my, I, I rarely have to pick any of you physically up from falling down. I mean, I can't recall the last time I had to do that for any of you. So that's probably not exactly what God's talking about. Maybe what he's talking about here is spiritually. If we fall down spiritually, when we're in relation with other Christians, 
they can help pick us up. But if we're isolated, if we're on our own, if it's just me and mine and that's it, then when we fall, what if we fall into wrong teaching? If we have no relationship with people of precious faith who can say, wait a minute, you're getting off there. You're not understanding that just right. Or the other way around, maybe they get off, but your relationship with them is able to say, hey, wait a minute, you're getting off here. Let's talk about this. Let's get it reconnected. Let's get back straight with God. Uh, so maybe it can be wrong teaching. Maybe it can be a, a, a wrong lifestyle, a wrong way of living. It can be so many different aspects of Christian life that that can cause us to fall if that happens and there's nobody there to help us then we are left in a mess we are in a real mess number two it's fruitful you're more effective when you're with God's people than if you're by yourself uh, verse number two says or verse number nine rather says two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. So not only do you get more done, which kind of makes sense, if there's two people out raking the yard, raking the leaves, you get more done far more quickly than if it's just one individual doing it. Again, spiritually, if you're working for God, the two of you connected together to achieve that goal is by far more effective. Um, I had somebody before the first service say to me, Man, you have been out there working with your hammer. You've really been, you know, referencing the, some of the remodeling we're doing over here. And I said, yeah, you know, I just get out there with my hammer and I just start swinging away and this is the end result. It just all comes together so perfectly. Well, of course that's not true. I haven't touched any of that, thank God. Otherwise that whole section over there would come crashing on down and we'd have a catastrophe on our, on our hands. The reality is we have people that know what they're doing. But because it's not just me by myself, it's, it's a group of people together that's getting accomplished and getting, and getting completed in a very safe and when it's done, a very attractive way. It's gonna be a wonderful thing. We get more done when we work together, but also working together, together helps us to keep from wearing out. So we're not just doing it all on our own. Number three, support. We get great support when we are working with other people. Verse 12 says, an enemy might defeat one, but two together can defend themselves. And so it's back to back, shoulder to shoulder. We stand, you know, and so I'm facing this way, but I can't see what's happening that way. But the guy behind me who's standing, who's got my back, is able to see what's coming. And together we can respond to whatever happens in life. So that means that others can help you uh, be more aware of what's happening others can help you be ready for what's coming your way others can help you to keep from giving up from quitting they can give you strength it's kind of like a flock of geese that are oh, it's a gaggle isn't it of geese whatever it is isn't it gaggle of geese you don't know do you you know um, when they're flying are they a flock I don't know whatever they are I should look that up before I said that kind of like a, a bunch of geese when they're when they're flying you know that they fly in you know that you've seen them fly in V formation do you know why they do that you've probably heard this but I just think it's so cool the goose in front gives lift to the goose behind it and so they fly in this V formation which means the point goose gives lift to the goose behind the two geese behind it and that guy gives those two give lift to the two behind and uh, and so forth and so forth to the end of the group 
all right? And then when the point goose gets too tired, he just drops down, comes up around behind the back, and one of the front ones moves on up to point. And then they go, that's how they can go so far and, 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 and go, go for so long because they never do it alone. See, and we need to learn, God gives us things like this to teach us. You know, he puts all of his principles even in nature. Number four, being with God's people is just flat out smarter. It's a smarter way to live. Two people are better than one. That's what it says in verse nine. You think clearer when you're around other, other of God's people. They have perspective, you don't. I don't know how many times I've had somebody talk to me about a scripture that they're reading or whatever, and, they'll, they'll, and they're coming to me for clarity, but they'll say what they think, and I'll say to them, you know, that's good. I never thought of that. It never dawned on me that that could be the, uh, a way of looking at that particular scripture. What you have invested in my life, what I invest in your life, we think clearer, we see the bigger picture better than you do when you do it, uh, when you do it with others. So listen to what a few other scriptures say about the value of us being together. Proverbs 28, 26, only fools would trust what they think, what they alone think. When you think by yourself and you trust your perceptions and you know you're always right in your mind, you're being a fool because that's not true of any of us. That's why we need each other. Proverbs 24, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Why is there safety in a big group? Because they're able to speak into our lives and give us the perspective. Genesis 2.18, God simply said, uh, it is not good for man to be alone. We need each other. It's not good for us when we're, we're it's dangerous when we're alone. And then Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see that the day of the Lord's coming is near. And so, you know, as, as it gets nearer, we need to encourage each other to be together more and more. What we're talking about here is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first part that I want you to notice here is that word habit. God says meeting together as his people is a good habit. It's a great habit to have. Uh, if you haven't developed the habit of coming together with God's people, as long as our society gives us this privilege, brothers and sisters, we need to take advantage of it. I don't know that it'll always be this way. I don't know that in America we're always going to be able to meet together. The day may come when persecution is such that against Christians that this will be virtually impossible to have. So take advantage of it as long as we have it. Let's continue to meet together and make it a great habit of your life. You know, Carrie and I, we did not get up this morning and say to each other, you want to go to church today? You think we should go today? It didn't even enter our mind to do that. Now, you might be sitting there saying, well, it's because you're the pastor. You kind of have to be there. But, you know, if I didn't show up, I wouldn't have been arrested or anything. The police wouldn't have come for me. I might have got a few phone calls. Sid would have been in a dead sweat, you know, saying, you know, what am I going to preach this morning, you know? because the board would have come up to him and said, Sid, you're on, you know. Ah! You know, so things could have happened that way, but in terms of, of would the world still revolve? Yeah, if I hadn't come. 
but it wasn't even on our mind to even question whether we would show up today. Now you say, well, that's because you have to be there. But I'm going to tell you something, and this is the truth. When we are on vacation, do you know where we're at on Sunday mornings? In church. In some other state, in some other city, and some people would say, you're on vacation, you're in church all the time. I love being with God's people. I'm sorry. I never get tired of it. I love it. I am excited that tonight we're going to have workers training. Why? Because I get to be with you again. I love being with you. And so if you're one of our workers involved in ministry, 5 o'clock tonight in the gymnasium, we want you there because you want to be with me, right? 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 And encourage my heart a little bit here, yeah. In fact, I will tell you that when I went through the, my, my depression back in 1998, if you're, if you're new at Archer, I don't talk about this all the time anymore, but, but I went through a terrible depressive time back in 1998. And, um, and when I went through that, I, I almost left the ministry. I wanted to leave the ministry really bad. And, and I continued on only because of the call of God in my life. And it took about a year and a half for that to finally break the, the real stronghold of it. And it continued on a little bit after that, but the real strong part of it is about a year and a half. So as, as I'm getting up close to the year 2000, it's starting to break off of me. And, and as I looked back on my life and I, and I thought about it, why is it that I experienced a healing from that uh, depression? Why is it it didn't totally wipe me out? I believe fundamentally, I believe the reason for that was because of this dedication and habit that I had in my life that I was going to do what God called me to do regardless of the personal struggle that I was going through emotionally. And I didn't get up and walk out. I didn't leave. I didn't say, God, I'm, I'm done with God's people. I'm done. I, I, I went every week, yeah, by habit. Sometimes I didn't want to be there. I, there were many Sundays I didn't want to be there because I, of how I felt on the inside, but I did it. I, I I, I fulfilled the call, and I really believe that that commitment is what brought me the healing that I needed from the depression that the Satan was trying to use against me to destroy me and pull me down. Now, I can't prove that that's true, but I feel in my spirit that that's exactly what God used to help give me uh, victory over that area in your life. So a habit of being with God's people is so important. And, and then Hebrews goes on and says, instead, let us encourage one another. In other words, when, when we meet together, it brings encouragement to each other. But the kind of encouragement that he's talking about here is not what you might immediately think. You might immediately think, well, the service is going to be an encouragement. And hopefully that's the case. I mean... That worship this morning, wow, that was power. That was encouraging to me. I don't know about you. Aren't you grateful for what God gives us here in this church and the wonderful uh, uh, encouragement that comes through our worship team? We thank God for that. But that's not exactly the encouragement. The immediate encouragement is not exactly what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about uh, the encouragement that comes when we connect with each other, when we know each other. And so because I have connection with many of you, or let's put, put the ball in your court, because you have connection with other people. You don't know everybody in the church, but you know 
some others within the church. And you have that connection and maybe something on the way to church happened that just, just threw you for a loop. Or maybe something happened yesterday and you're able to go up to an individual in the foyer, in the hallway or whatever, and, and you're able to talk with them and they say to you, hey, how you doing? And I've, I've got to tell you what happened in my life. And it's a burden that you bear. And that individual is able to give you the prayer support. If you knew nobody, that would never happen. Or maybe you're going through a crisis within your own life and, and people are on the phone to you because you have connection with those people and they love you and you love them. You see, this is how we are to encourage our, one another. Now that can only happen as you develop friendships. And one of the best ways of developing friendships is to connect with other believers in this church through our small group ministry called life groups. And those life groups meet all over the place and they usually meet on the third Sunday of the month, but this particular month they're going to be meeting on the last Sunday of the month. But usually it's the third Sunday night of the month in a home somewhere, in a neighborhood somewhere. And if you would like more information about that, you can see Pastor Sid. He's sitting right over here, and he'll be happy to give you more information about our small group's ministry. So we need each other for encouragement, and encouragement keeps us going. All right, number two, we need each other to be effective. We need each other to achieve. So I'll never achieve my goals for the glory of God unless I have you help me. That's just how God made us. We need each other if we're going to be effective for God. God wants all of us to achieve. He has all of us here for a special purpose. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. I love the last portion of that verse, he prepared in advance for us to do. That means before you were ever born, he had a plan for your life, and it had no nothing to do with what car you drive and what house you live in. That's not to say that God won't help guide and direct and all of that, but that's not his highest purpose for your life. It has nothing to do with how high you advance in the company. He has something for you to do. You can't tell me what it is for me, and I can't tell you what it is for you. I can pray for you that God will reveal it, but it comes from God to you. It doesn't come from other people to you. But we do have a special purpose that God has created for us. And, those, and, the, and that purpose is for us to do, according to this scripture, good works for his glory. And, and when you find God's purpose for your life and you start doing it, it is amazing how you feel. You feel like a million bucks when, when you're doing what God has asked you to do. But if you try to accomplish God's purpose for your life just on your own power, you're going to fall flat. You're, you're gonna, it's going to be a nosedive for you. You'll end up exhausted. You'll end up ineffective. You'll end up burned out. What you've got to have to accomplish God's purpose for your life is two things. First of all, you've got to have the power of the Spirit because it is still not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Secondly, you've got to have the, the help and the influence of brothers and sisters within the Lord. We, can do, we cannot do alone what, as much as we can do together. I once uh, read... And it was on the internet, so it must be right. It must be true. 
I've never, tr- I've never tried this personally, but I, I think it is true. That two people can lift three times what one person can. Now that doesn't make sense to me because in the natural it seems like two people could lift twice what one person could. But actually two people can lift three times what one person can lift. It's a picture of how God wants us to work. Not alone, but it shows us the effectiveness of efforts when we combine with others in the the faith. So if we work together, we'll get much more accomplished, we'll be much more effective than if we do it alone. We'll achieve more, and that keeps us strong. It's another way to stay strong. Thirdly, we need each other for security. We need each other for strength. We need each other to have our back. Through the years, I have had some bad things said about me. I have had some wrong things said about me. You probably have experienced that too. And it hasn't just, you know, if it's, if it's your enemies, or I mean the world out there, not your enemy, but the world. If it's the world out there, you, you kind of expect it. But it's really hurtful when it comes from other believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord. I can't remember which psalm it is right now, but basically the psalmist says that very thing. He said, if it was one of my enemies who was doing me wrong, I could handle it, but it's you, my brother. It's you who did it to me. And, and that is so true. When it comes from within people that you trust or people that you love, it's very, very hurtful. I've had people accuse me of things that I never did. I've had people accuse me of intentions I never had. What helped me through those times was the support of other believers who stood up against the attackers and they basically said, that's enough. We don't want to hear any more. That's enough. And everybody needs that in their life. They need someone who will support them when others are wrongfully attacking. Those people defended me when I couldn't defend myself. They supported me. They protected me. They protected my reputation. They stood up for me when I couldn't stand for myself. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Philippians 2, 4 says, each of you should look not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. We need to look out for each other. We need to protect each other. We all make mistakes. We all do dumb things. God has called us to lovingly support one another, to point out those errors, and to support each other in the process of healing and and coming through it. We all have embarrassing moments. I will tell you that Sid has more than once told me, you have something stuck between your teeth. <laughs> you, you may want to take that out before you go up and preach today, you know. Thank you, Sid. Yeah, thank, thank you, Sid. Yeah, you're all, you're all grateful, yeah. Oh, look, at they, they love what you do for me, Sid. Or he's come to me and says, hey, pastor, you got a dribble down 
the front of your of your shirt. You may want to clean that off before you go up in front of everybody. I'm so grateful for that. Because we're human beings and we do stupid things. And the older I get, the more dumb things I do along those lines. I don't know. You know, I used to think when I was real young as a kid growing up in church that the pastor up there, he's under the anointing of God and he's preaching the word of God. And he was probably never make a mistake in terms of what he said, say the wrong word, you know, you get tongue tied or whatever, you say the wrong thing and, or get, get a verse turned around backwards. I've done that, good grief. I've gotten up and, and preached and told a story I didn't have in my notes and got done telling the story and couldn't remember for the life of me why I told the story or how that connected to the sermon. Just bloop, it's gone, you know. And I used to think when I was sitting down there, oh, the man of God, he's up there anointed, he's preaching under the anointing. And, and then when I'd hear my home church pastor make a mistake, I'd be thinking, well, he must not be very anointed, you know. He must not really have the spirit upon him today. Why would God allow that to happen? God allows that to happen to teach all of us that he uses flawed human beings. None of us are perfect. None of us are right all the time. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure from God, God's treasure, but we are like clay jars that hold the treasure. So we have this treasure, but it's stuck in clay jars. And, and, and it's held in, a, in an inferior, it's a perfect thing, but it's held in an inferior, imperfect container called us. And, and we make these mistakes. That's what we all are. We're, we're a bunch of, of clay jars, of cracked pots, you know, holding the treasure of God. That's why God gets the glory. Because people look at us and say, how in the world does God do that through this guy or through this gal? Well, he's just a crack pot. And God's glory comes out. But the only way that God gets the glory through human weakness is if we help one another to be strengthened. So we've got to forgive for each other. We've got to pray for one another. We've got to support one another so that the treasure of God can shine through us. Otherwise, all we are is a crackpot. That's why Hebrews 13.1 says, Keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. So our concern for each other keeps us strong. Lastly, we need each other to care. We need each other to care. 1 Corinthians 12 says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Life has a way of throwing curves at you, doesn't it? Bad things don't always happen to the other guy. Sometimes they happen to you. And we need each other when those times come. Carrie and I have just prayed so much um, over the last six months for the pastor's wives of our church, three of them, who have had babies. And, you know, having gone through that with my own daughters and everything, I just know, you know, at least I have some sense of the peril that can go with having children and birthing babies and everything. And... And so I always get nervous. And even though they're not my literal daughters, they're kind of like my daughters, and I've prayed over them. And Carrie and I prayed over them. They had, they'd have safety, that, that their children would grow, um, be healthy, and that they would grow strong and love Christ and everything. And, and the first part of that prayer has 
come to pass. We've had three pastors who have healthy babies today, and and we're grateful for that. And um, the the latter part of the prayer, you know, is forthcoming because they have to grow to be great influences for God. That'll be their life's mission and goal. That'll be down the road. But, you know, we need each other when we face potentially perilous times. We, we need each other when we go through times when the doctor's report is really scary. You don't want to face that on your own. We need each other when a loved one is in harm's way on the battlefield and we're thousands of miles removed. We, we need each other then. Times when our kids are in rebellion. Times when our kids have run away and are missing. Times when we lose a loved one. I know most of you don't know him, but Larry Summers was in the service the first service is sat right back there in the back row, and, and uh, two days ago, his wife stepped into heaven and in his home. She went so quickly. It was like we learned of her illness, and within, I don't know, it seemed like two weeks, she was gone. And, uh, you know, I can't even imagine the pain. He, they were married 49 and a half years. They had been married 50 years in May. And sometimes you think, well, when you've been married that long, it's not that hard. I tell you what, the longer you're married, the tougher it is, the more connected you become. When you go through times in life where you lose a loved one, you need, you don't want to face that alone. We need, a, we need other believers to care about what we're going through, to pray with us, to just be there to listen to hear us, to be with us. Maybe we don't have any answers, but we just sit there and we love them and we hold them. Here's the truth. You can't live life successfully without the help of other people. And that's what the church needs to be for one another. Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to Life Church Utah dot com.